the table with Darlene. Thank you for joining us tonight at At the Table with Darlene, and we have an exciting evening planned. We are so glad that every one of you have t- tuned in, and uh, this is a special evening for me, which every week is special, but this is extra special. And uh, first of all, I'm going to introduce who is at the table because it's always interesting to see. And I want to introduce first, to my right, is Missy Massey. And this is only the second time that she has been on a podcast. And we did get, I think, maybe two lines out of her, maybe three. What do you think, Chris? About six or seven seconds worth. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> I'm not sure it was real, real loud. You all had to strain to listen to her. But we are so thankful to have her. She is... Uh, quite the lady and a lot of fun. We'll get her going one of these evenings and we won't get her stopped, I'm sure. And sitting next to her, of course, is Tiffers and Tiffany Kramer. We are always glad that you're here with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. Because of our guest, I'll refrain from my normal self-titling. I'm just one of the crowd. Just one of the kids. One of the kids, Mm -hmm. uh uh-huh. One of the favorite kids. Just just carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who's sitting next to you, Tiffany? Next to me is Chris Norman, who we need a lot, or I wouldn't have him here, but he's our executive producer person that gets us all together and and makes us sound better. And he frowns at you better. a lot. And nothing like that. I just keep you from wearing jewelry while we're And he does give me the stink eye if I accidentally make noise on the table. So there's the truth, guys. Yes. Chris, of course, we're always glad that you're here with us. Yeah. And it's an honor to have Daryl sitting in tonight, my sweetie. I am so glad that you're with us again. We love it when you're at the table with us, and I know you wanted to be here tonight, yep. especially. Yes. Because we are honored to have our son, our one and only son, Joey Cannaday, on the phone line tonight. Welcome, Joy. Thank you. Thanks Yay. for having me. He's our youngest son. He is our youngest <laughs> Our youngest, our oldest, our middle your, son. Your favorite? He, favorite son? Favorite, favorite son. son. Yeah. yeah. He's a first-time caller, long-time listener. Yes, <laughs> ab- absolutely. There you go, for sure. Well, we are so glad that you're here, and while you're here, we, we want to, first of all, tell the listeners what you're doing these days. Where are you at, and what are you doing, Joey? Uh, well, I currently live in Bend, Oregon, um, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, uh, with my wife, Sarah, and um, <clears throat> we both work at our uh, local church here, and then uh, I work in real estate, um, just kind of living the dream. Yeah, Bend is beautiful. Yeah, yeah any, it any, is. It's a beautiful place. It is. Anyone that has been to Bend, they all say the same thing, and it is it is breathtaking, and a beautiful place, especially, I'm sure, to live. I and love it's the it. only place in the United States that has a blockbuster video <laughs> store, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's right. We're wow. the, we really are the surviving uh, blockbuster. And we do, <laughs> we actually go there Yeah, to support it. Yeah. It's well, awesome. Sure, yeah. So how did they do during the COVID? I mean, did they stay open? Uh, they closed for a bit, but I think you could... Uh, Call in and order. Like curb, and curbside, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they they would bring it to your car. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. They, they adapt. They adapted pretty fast, you know. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, it's really interesting because they have been featured on on the national news oh, a couple yeah. of times, especially in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how that they're the only blockbuster 
Still surviving. That's it. Not how Bend is one of the most beautiful places in America, but that they have a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> There's still written movies here. That's all that matters. Yeah, you guys are very famous because of that. Well, what's funny is, like, you know, this is this is the place you come to live if you want to be outdoors all the time. You know, we get, I forget what it is, it's over 300 days of sunshine this year. Mm. Uh, we do have all four seasons, but people don't come here to stay inside. So it's just funny that we survived having a blockbuster when no one really stays home and watches movies. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, that there is you cool. go. That is interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? Maybe the people that come on vacation, they're just fascinated by it. I don't know, but it is a beautiful place. I guess your weather yeah. there has begun to warm up a little bit. It's in the 70s now. It is. It's been, um, last night I think our low was 48. And our high today, I think, was 75. Well, I think I could get used to that. <clears throat> if it was your really tough. Yeah, <laughs> if it was all the time. I, wouldn't, I don't want that extra cold. They do have some really, really deep snows and ice and... and uh, yeah, we... Yeah, definitely I just wanted. might come see you someday. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen. What, what's great is that no matter how hot it gets, the nighttime is still... Like, you're going to need a jacket when you go out. Year-round, so... Wow. Yeah, I so that's nice. That. So uh, like that. there's a plug-in for Bend, Oregon. For anybody that's looking go. for a place to go, go to Bend, Oregon. <laughs> Google Bend. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great place. Yeah, and also while they're Googling, they could Google Joey, J-O-E-I-E, Canada, C-A-N-A-D-A-Y, and find out a little bit about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. There you go. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. <laughs> no, tell us a little bit, Joy. You know, I mean... Uh, Do you still have your website, or did you let that go? Uh, which website? The I thought I thought it was like joeycanaday.org or .com or something like that. Did you? Um, I, have a, I have a real estate website, but I can't. It's uh, joeycanaday at exp.com, I believe is what it is. At exp.com. But if yeah, you that's just a real estate one. Yeah, that's your real estate. But if you if you just look up Joey Kennedy, then uh, you'll you'll find a lot uh, about different <laughs> projects you've been on. And uh, as some of you, most of you, if you've listened at all, you know that. Uh, I mean, I guess I haven't talked a whole lot about uh, my our my past uh, when our children we traveled and played music. And Joey, you were probably, what, seven years old when you first started playing the bass? I got my bass when I was six. You six. I think we did our first uh, gig or whatever when I was seven, I think. And I, we probably, yeah, we probably did our first album when you were probably about eight because we did seven of them. So mm -hmm. somewhere, yeah. So you, th your bass was always bigger than you were <laughs> when we started. <laughs> I, well, let me just tell you, that is not the case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you added that. I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's true. But it's kind of like me trying to play an ovation guitar, huh? <laughs> I can't reach the strings. <laughs> <laughs> That's not totally true either. But, but yeah, you started, you started out very, very young, uh, playing the bass and singing. And, but, but the bass was just always, I mean, you loved it more than any other instrument. You played for... Of almost two years, you played lead guitar for us when we were on the road traveling. And he was a good, good lead guitar player. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, our last, uh, actually, yes. our last album that we did that you played lead guitar on, it's tough. You, very, very good. But it was not the love, it wasn't what you love to do. Uh, 
so tell us a little bit, Joy, about some of your journey uh, with the base. You know, once you, uh, once we as a family dissolved, uh, and uh, some of the journey that you were on in, in uh, playing bass, and some of the things that you want to share with us about your career. Wow, how long is this podcast? <laughs> Oh, um, you've got about 30 minutes, so go for uh, it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I would say that, you know, first of all, the, the growing up with my family on the road and playing, as I'm sure your listeners have heard, um, and, and you, but it was a, was a time I still look back on as the most amazing um, way to grow up as a kid. Like, nobody gets to do that, so that was amazing. Um but skipping all of that part of the history and going straight to the career, I think, uh, uh, a long story short, I lived in St. Louis for, boy, I'm bad how many years. Uh, Mom, you may know more than I do about how long I lived there. But basically, I, I did, I played almost every night of my life there. Um, once I got established, I would I would play in, you know, bars and clubs and uh I would do um, bar mitzvahs and weddings and you name it. I would just anything I could do to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would even, uh, I started giving lessons and just anything that I could do to play bass all the time. Right. Uh, and, to make a, and to make a living. That's all I ever really wanted to do mm-hmm. was make a living playing bass guitar. Yeah, so, you were in St. Louis about six years, I think. You left Farmington the year that Tiffany graduated. and Was that 93 or 94? 93. 93, so seven years in St. Louis because you moved in 2000. And during that time, while you were in St. Louis, you played also with Ken Henry some uh, back in the big... Oh, sorry about that. You, fe- you just fell off. Are you all right, Bubby? Are you okay? It's, I'm a little dizzy, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, you played yeah. for Ken Henry, and then you uh, you also then played with Joyce Meyer and worked for Joyce Meyer, and that's where Chris he he met you, but he's not so sure you remember him. You were way too cool for me. <laughs> <laughs> way too cool. And much older. Yeah. Way older. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, did everyone hear that update just now on my phone, or is it just me? Just, just you. you. Okay, because that was awesome. <laughs> there's a big there's a big news announcement, I guess. But um, sorry about that. Uh, you can go ahead and cut that out. No, that was probably uh, during the fall where you just fell, where the my phone <laughs> fell. Yeah, you couldn't hear it here. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, yeah, so I did a bunch of records with with Kent Henry. Um, some with integrity of music, and then some that he just did on his own. I I, I think maybe we did six or seven together. Um, and I remember uh, him hiring me to play um, at one of the, you know, they would do the live records where they would do them over a weekend. And um, they brought in Abraham Laboreal, who Oh, yeah, was, oh, I remember that. Yeah, he was one of the greatest, greatest bass players who will ever walk the earth. And, and I was such a huge fan. I and I couldn't believe that he brought me in to play. Um I think it was three nights, and I was playing the third night. Uh huh. I think you and, did. I think you corrected some of. Uh, how do you say it? Uh, did you do go back and do overdubs or something for him? Yeah, it's a. That's the scariest part of the story, actually. Um, which I'll get to. He he played the first two nights. I played the third night, but I got the privilege of 
um, picking him up at the airport, taking him to his hotel, showed me his four or five bases that he had brought. And we ended up talking for <clears throat> a few hours. And then the same thing happened at breakfast the next morning. And then on the breaks between the, the uh, master class that he gave. Um, and then again the next night. And again the next morning when I took him to the airport. Um, but something incredible happened uh, the second the second night. We were sitting out in the parking lot of Life Christian Center in St. Louis. And I was just expressing how incredible grateful I was for his friendship and um, how much I loved his playing. And um, he had heard me play a couple of times because of some of the stuff that happened in the conference. But um, all of a sudden, this really big, beautiful man started uh, started crying and praying over me um, and just sort of talking out loud about what God was going to do in my life. And I've not told very wow. many people this, this story. But he, he cried so much on me that, that I remember my, my shirt just being soaked. You know, just we just we were embraced, and he just kept praying. And believe me, this man can pray and has one of the biggest hearts. Um, I'll leave out the details, but long story short, he at that moment, he sort of, I think God kind of used him to sort of arrest me, which he's done a few times in my life. But um, he just said, look, it's, t- it's time for you to go and, and do what you were made to do. Uh, you have to take a chance. Um, come to L.A. I will make sure you work. You can live with me. Like, he just opened up his home, his heart, his life. <clears throat> he said, or go to Nashville. Do something, right? So that was a pretty moving moment that I, I don't think I told anybody about um, for a while. Just kind of sat on it. But going back to the scary part of the story is that he leaves. I play the third night. Well, of course, they keep stuff from the first two nights, um, except for a handful of uh, mistakes that he had made. And back then, it was two-inch tape. We, there was It was not like today where it's digital and it's non-destructive. Uh, back in the day, if you pushed record, whatever you played stayed. You know, you could right. try again, but every time that that mistake got a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, the hole gets bigger. So right. I had to I had to punch in all of this. It would always be in the, at the end of this ridiculous fill that he played that isn't even human. <laughs> and I'd try to punch one note at the very end, you know, just to whatever. So it, it, it was quite a scary experience. And then as the years went on, he, he came back and um, we became very close. Uh I guess he came back one more time um, the same year, I believe. And then the following year, I think I did both both of those records. And then that would have been like 98 and 99, maybe. Um, somewhere around there. And then um, I really felt like that it was time to, to pursue what was in my heart, which was music. Um, and that's what led me to Nashville. Yeah, now when you, before you get to Nashville, when you were working at at with Joyce Meyer, you were uh, traveling on the travel team, which that's what uh, Chris did uh, several years later, uh, since he was your junior. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> making me feel making me feel old, and I, and I did. By the way, I did not do any of the road stuff with her. But I but, was never, but okay, but you did you did play for with uh, Jill and Charlie. 
You did all the yeah. recordings, and then what was it that you did? Uh, you did the producing? Yeah, I think we did, um, I could be wrong, it's either seven or nine, somewhere around there, records uh, that I uh, helped produce. And uh, most of them were Charlie and Joe LeBlanc, and then um, I think Jack Shuttler did one, possibly. Um, yeah, that was fun. So I, I actually got to go to Nashville and sort of hire my uh, my heroes to play on these records, which was awesome. Yes. Um, but that was, I mean, that, without without that experience, honestly, <clears throat> of you know playing every night, uh, even in the church and out of the church, but specifically getting to do those records and hone my skill in front of the best the best in the world was probably not the smartest move, but. Um, Certainly was a good one because I made a lot of good friends from that. And then I also helped produce a radio show, um, which was a which was a daily job. Joey, do Chris, you remember? Do you remember giving me the ninety minute master cassettes? Yes, I I have hundreds and hundreds of those uh, cassettes. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're dubbed copies, right? They're not masters. <laughs> they're the ones. Surely. They're the Surely. ones that was sent to all the radio stations, and I still have those in my possession. I hate. I don't want to let them go. I cherish them. Hashtag hoarder. Uh. Hashtag hoarder. <laughs> and we'll mention no ma- no names. That, that's not hoarding. That's just sentimental. Sentimental. Okay. There you, oh, okay. There you go. Joey, you're a. You're a very humble man, and I know you don't like to talk about your accomplishments. And uh, I, I know that you've been around the block several times with your ministry and your career. But uh, God really did use you and opened a lot of doors for you. And uh, I, I'm so thankful that that you, uh, you know, I've preached I've preached many times about you because. Uh, and I'm sure you've never heard any of them yet, uh, but but they have. But, but I've talked when I talk about vision, I always talk about yeah. you. How that you always had a vision. You always wanted to meet Amy Grant. You yeah. always yes, as a young boy, you know, uh, and started with Cara. Was that it, Cara? Yeah, yeah, yeah from Rala. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, you, you always had yeah. such X-A-R-A. a had a burning yeah. desire. But the thing is, Joy. You had a vision, and you worked towards that vision. You didn't just sit on the couch in the remote recliner or whatever and waiting for it to come to pass. You worked diligently, hard, and you pursued your vision, and you waited for it. And according to uh, Habakkuk, I believe it is, or Haggai, one of the other, says, you know, wait for it, for it will surely come to pass. And you did. You waited. You waited patiently. And, uh, you know, who would who would have ever known that, you know, that you would be with Stephen Curtis Chapman or who, that you would be with, you know, Joyce Meyer or even, even in the secular field working with the greatest country artist. Uh, but, but I always attribute it to your, your diligence, your humbleness, and, and uh, you know, you were always adaptable. And uh, I've always appreciated and that about you. Hard. He was a hard worker. Very hard worker. As his, as his little sister, I can, uh, one of my memories that are stuck in my head forever and ever is that uh, when I became a teenager, um, Joey used to take me to concerts. Took me to my first concert, I'm sure. And we would go, especially to the Fox, right? Joey would go to the Fox or Six Flags. Those yep. were our concert places. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times it was just he and I. And that was always so special to me. But what I, what I will never forget 
is that he would say to me, someday, that'll be me. Yeah. Yep. We, we went and time. saw Stephen Kirsch Chapman and, and Petra and Michael W. Smith and, and Amy Carmen. Grant and Carmen. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, we've seen all those, you know, and that was a special thing to me that, that we always did together. But I never forgot and I never, I never didn't believe him when yeah. he said that I'll be up there someday. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course you will. You know, and then and I'll never forget that. And that's vision and that's dream and that's goal setting and that's achievement. Yeah, and that's one of the things that on, on our At the Table with Darlene, one of our uh, main goals is to try to encourage people to follow, to follow a dream. And last week we had Chris to share because he's just quite the entrepreneur. And we had him to share some about, you know, his life and, and his journey of, of you know, he had some failures and some falls, and but he just keeps getting back up. And right now, he and his wife—I mean, they're they're taking they're they're taking over part of Farmington to help Farmington grow and and new businesses and and That's wonderful. yeah, and and so, but it's that kind of thing that we want people to hear. And, and your story isn't all all a story of triumph, but right. it is a story of of just keep pushing forward because joy when you were maybe at your best you still were practicing bass yeah. you were taking bass lessons that's the thing that always intrigued me about you i mean tell me tell us a little bit about that and to encourage those that are out there that have a dream um, yeah absolutely i mean that that is something i can absolutely get behind um there's so many areas of my story that i could tell but yeah let me tell you about an actual dream that i had um the problem was it was a reoccurring dream and it happened it happened weekly. Um, sometimes it would happen daily, but it always—it was the weirdest thing. So I wake up, and this is back when I um, when I was working for Joyce Meyer, um, and I had dreams when I was younger about playing in front of big crowds or you know whatever. But I, this was a very specific dream that I had, and I had over and over and over. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd get up, go take my shower, and I'd be singing a song that I'd never heard before. And then all of a sudden, it was like I forgot the words, and I forgot the tune. Like I couldn't, like I wanted to get out and record it, you know, <laughs> on my little cassette recorder, just so I could remember the song. This happened over and over and over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times this happened. It was so frustrating. Um, and my wife at the time actually would would say, "What are you singing?" I'd be like, "I have no idea." She goes, "That's really cool." Like, yeah, I wish I could remember it. Every time I get out of the shower, I forget it, right? But along with this dream, here's what I saw: I saw myself. And I saw uh, five of the guys. Um, I was standing stage left. There was someone in the middle, someone on the right, and then there were three guys behind, right? And looking out in front of me, I saw what looked like 100-plus thousand people. And they were all holding candles. And they were singing the song, right? So you talk about frustrating. You, <laughs> you have this dream. You can't. It's like, this is the most amazing dream ever. Hmm. Right? Like, this is my dream. Mm -hmm. uh, like, my literal dream. So it went on for quite a while, and then it stopped. And um, when I... So, I, long story short, I moved to Nashville um, because of the Stephen Kirsch Chapman gig. Actually, actually, that's not true. We we sold our house and decided to move and, and started building a house there before we, I even had a job. Um, and then I got a call from a buddy who was... Uh, part of the management team for Steven and then I went and auditioned 
Um, and I have to tell just a small portion of the story, if that's okay, Mom. Sure, um, go ahead. This is when, this is when my mom had her stroke driving my son to the mall <laughs> uh, for my sister's wedding. That's true. Uh, to, to, pick, to get measured or pick up sex or something, right? Yeah, um, for Corey, yeah. So the, the day before that happened was the day I got the phone call that said, hey, would you, would you like to come audition for Stephen Curtis Chapman? Of course, uh, you know, I think I melted into a pile of tears on the floor going, oh, yes. Um, and then the very next day, my mom has a stroke. There was no internet at that point. Uh, at least, if there if there was, you couldn't send files. As right. far as I know, that was two thousand. What, yeah, what's his name had not invented it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Al Gore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they had to send the disc, right? And they did. They overnighted it or whatever. But I'm in the hospital with my mom, um, and you know, pops is I think in Af. You're in Africa. Yep, Uganda. Yeah. Uganda, apostles in Uganda, so it's like the worst of the worst of the worst situations. Make a long story short, I didn't get to listen to this thing. I, my wife brought a bass to the hospital. I left like at <laughs> one in the morning, and I listened to the songs on the way down. They, they, they were the hardest songs I've ever heard. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to play these things. Um, I think I slept, uh, I slept, I think, in a parking lot until it was, you know, the sun woke me up, and I... I was a mess. I walk into this audition. If I remember correctly, there were 16 guys. Um, and I got to listen to the three or four before me, which was really a bad idea. <laughs> I, 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 should have, I should have never done that. Fear factor. Huh? Um, yeah, it was bad. So I go in, and um, I just was honest. And I just said, man, I have not done anything but listen to these tunes. Here's why. And that beautiful man said, let's... Let's most importantly stop right now and pray for your mom. And so him and the entire band gathered around me and prayed wow. for my mama. And uh, let's just say I blew the audition pretty bad. <laughs> um, and then about two days later, I got a phone call saying, hey, you got the gig. Um, wow. And again, we had already, you know, we our house had already sold. We were... You know, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And so that led me into the student Chris Chapman thing. Um, and here's the part of the story that I want you to hear, and I'll promise it'll be really, really fast. So fast forward to about two and a half years later. I'm in Pennsylvania at a very well-known festival. Um, and at this point, I had already played on two or three of Steven's records. Um, and then, this will be the only plug you hear, but that led me into my studio career. I think between then and 2003, I played with um, Natalie Grant, FFH, Stephen Chris Chapman, Lincoln Brewster, Joy Williams, Third Day, uh, Wayne Lawson, Third Day, Plus One, all, all these bands back then that were like the best of the best of the best. I got to play with those guys. Now, that was really awesome, right? And I got to play on Chapman's uh, record called Declaration, and that's the tour that we were on. So this is probably 2000 three maybe um, and it's about the sixth or seventh song in the set and I used to love it because it was a song called Magnificent Obsession and I got to write the bass line for the, for the song in the studio and sure enough the lights go down <laughs> I, hear the, I hear the click in my ears 
and I start playing the song and I look up. There's about 125, 140,000 people standing with candles being held in the air singing the song that I had heard in the shower for months and months and months. And it was at that moment. And I literally felt to my knees. I think there's video somewhere. I literally felt to my knees going, wow. You talk about having your mind blown. Um, I think here's the thing that is important for people to understand is that I, you know, and this is no fault of um, my, my mom or my pops, but I will tell you that I, I grew up uh, being told that I would never amount to anything, that I was no good, uh, that I would never be good enough, basically, right? And so there's a part of me that just said, really? Watch this. You know, um, a little bit of uh, venom, sort of, that drove me for a while until that moment. Um, and that was the moment that I think I began to realize that this this was a dream that probably didn't have much to do with me, um, that it was a talent and a gift that I was given, and that it had been planned all along, that my dream was his dream, the dream he had put inside of me. And so fighting for that dream then became um, a necessity. It wasn't an option. Um, I had to do what he had put in my heart to do. Does that make any sense? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. What, a, what an awesome... There's not a dry eye in this place right now. We're all... We're uh, all just, well, sorry. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's good. I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, your mother and I flew out there to uh, Pennsylvania and rented a car, and we thought we were going out to the middle of nowhere. We, we didn't think we'd ever find that uh, festival. Yeah, Wait a minute! You guys were there that night. We were there. Uh, I think we were at and, that one. Yes. And uh, you took oh, us. You took us. Wow! You <laughs> forgot we were there, didn't you, Joy? But Look, we. I don't even remember what I but, had for breakfast yesterday. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you took us. Uh, you wanted to show us Stephen Stephen's bus, and then you yeah. wanted to take us on Third Day's bus, and you just was, you just you took us amazing. up on stage. Yeah. You just wanted to show us off, and uh, uh, actually, actually, awesome. we were we were so proud of you, Joy. Yeah. But, but, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, you know, people that have read The Miracle of the Breaking, they will understand a little bit of yeah. what, you, what, what you're talking about, Joy, about, yeah. I mean, I mean you were so talented, you were so gifted, and yet, you know, uh, your childhood was rough. You know, you said a while ago, what an honor and a privilege, and I think all of us, in, in one sense, you know, uh, those days were absolutely amazing to travel like we did, and, and yet we lived under such stressful, uh, controlling times. But yet out of it, the dreams and all, and, you know, it just, as your mother, it just excites me so much to hear the testimony uh, of that time where you saw something come to pass because people sitting and listening, many of them have seen something, whether it be in a dream, whether it be you know, uh, uh, some kind of vision or something, because I I remember dreaming, you know, the dream of, of standing before uh, just thousands uh, of people, and I knew it was in an African nation. And when it actually happened, it was kind of like what you said. It was all of a sudden that that point happened, and then you knew that was part of God's roadmap. You know, yep. of saying this is part of my road that I have you on, and and I know I know Joy. You know, there's just so much of your story, so much, and that's just a little bitty bitty piece. 
of that. But but uh, but thank you for sharing that. And let let's go a little farther. And if yep. you if you we've got a few more minutes and and because we're just so glad to have you and and I know our listeners are going to enjoy and to hear a little about you and I know Joy that you've been up and you've been down and uh, so many times in life uh, Chris shared with us last week about the fact that you know uh, when he 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 was at the top and then he become broken and then he become broke but then God began to start and use him again and is rebuilding and using him all of fresh and brand new and his story is so much like so many of ours but I'd like for you to tell us a little bit you know uh, some things fell apart your marriage fell apart some different situations fell apart in your life and and uh, you begin to go you know uh, the the talents and the gifts that God had given you had not changed they were still there what God had done in your heart had never changed but yet uh, sometimes we we begin to uh, we get caught up in life and your story is not Chris's, but I'm just sharing a little bit. You know, he talked about how he got into a lot of arrogance being in the church realm and church world and, and beginning to be out there, different things that, that he did. That's why I wanted you, want you to listen to it because it's so powerful, so many things that he got to share with us and made me think a lot of, about you. But tell us a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about your journey uh, in a little more time frame that we have. Hey, and Joey, before you do that, <clears throat> I'd just like to remind everybody, or, or just tell everybody, you know, uh, you were you were able to play with Billy Graham at, at, oh, yeah. at the Billy Graham Crusade, that. and sure that had to be a dream come true. Uh, that was on, that's, that's one of those moments that, you know, it's like a, a branding, you know, like a branding, it's, it's branded in my brain, I will never forget. Uh, shaking his hand, yeah, um, and speaking to him and looking in that man's eyes uh, was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah, yeah. the uh, that Very was cool. in, that was in the stadium, right, in uh, Nashville. Uh, yeah, I think that was at uh, uh, Titans Stadium. Titans, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And and then uh, there was another uh, really big thing that you and Mark did. Uh, for Grace Church. Oh yeah, uh, the drummer boy. The drum. Uh, well, the actually, boy. you wrote all. You of wrote that, all the right? music for that, right? And um, and that. Yeah, most of it. And I guess Grace Church put that on for how that? many years? Every Christmas, and it ran for <sighs> two or three weeks. And every night, the house was full. You had to. Uh, you you had to. Uh, people had to come back the next night because they couldn't get in. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I. Mark Miller's a genius, uh, first of all. Um, but yes, that thing was a fun thing to be a part of. I, I got to write the music for it. And, and I forget how many people they said. I do know that that it was the most traffic they had ever had. Yes. Uh, in that area, I guess, ever. Um, it was. Every so, night. I mean, that show yeah. ran, they, it ran every night, didn't it? It yeah, did. For a couple of weeks. Do you remember that, Chris? Yeah. Uh, that was cool. Yeah. And, and we, uh, you, we, uh, we finally you, got to go to one. You and all of us got to go yeah. up one night, and uh, and uh, Ron Tucker found out you were sitting out there and introduced you. And I mean, you just you're so calm, you know. Here I am sitting with a celebrity called Joey Candidate, and <laughs> and, and, and Ron and Ron says the infamous Joey Candidate's here, and you didn't even I don't even know if you stood. You might have stood and waved, but but you got your sock hat on and just look, you know. Just it was just it was just a Kodak moment. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, 
Yeah, tell us yeah, a little I, bit about some of the things that you did while you were in Nashville. I know, gosh, you played, you played with Nashville's, Nashville's best, and and uh, yeah, a lot of fun. In fact, when you did my CD, we had Nashville's best on it. Yeah. And we got to get Papa to quit banging things on this table. <laughs> well, I'm getting hungry. Oh, <laughs> He's like, son, hurry up. No, no, no. He just gets fidgety. And no. so we had to take his phone away from him so he would quit uh, thumping it on the table. This might be, you know, this might be a two-part series when we're done, Daryl. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, can, we can edit. We can do it. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, thank, first of all, thanks for all the kind, of work, kind words. I don't know. You know, it's... I think I think um, I think all of us, and this is not just uh, me being weird. Uh, I think we're all heroes in our in our own uh, right. Um, if we live life according to His Word, if we are gospel-centered people, if we're if we're willing to admit our brokenness, and and you know, I think we all are uh, can do amazing and incredible things in life. And I don't view what I did um, I view it as special but I view it as special because I don't know I guess I just have a different thing um, well for instance as your family who I can't imagine having bigger fans than than us goofballs but we missed like you, we would find out Joey was going to be on TV this, or Joey was on TV last night. Yeah. Did you see Joey? He was on David Letterman. Yeah. No, we didn't. And know. I'm like, seriously, Why didn't you, you tell can't, us? You can't call your sister or shoot me a text and tell me he's like, it's no big deal. Oh, or just because he was humble about it and like. Yeah, or he's playing at, at uh, for the New Year's Eve, you know. Yeah. The ball New York drops. City. Yeah, New York City. Uh, he's playing up yeah, there. Yeah, and, and it just infuriated your little sister because all I want to do is DVR it for Pete's sake. <laughs> You know, but uh, no. because that was just I, your normal life, but I think it's amazing. But. I mean, most of the time, I honestly just forgot, but uh, <laughs> and it just wasn't that big, big of a deal. But uh, let me um, me. Let, me, let me get the let me get the end of the career over with, and then I'd like to talk about some things that led me to where I am real fast, if I can. And absolutely, that is just that I was absolutely blessed to play um, with everybody that I ever ever dreamed of playing with, both Christian artists. <laughs> And, you know, secular artists, I, I had an amazing career. I got to play for Reba. I got to play for Keith Urban. I got to play for Brooks and Dunn. I got to play for Kane Brown, Kim Christiansen, Lauren Elena, Jamie O'Neill. I mean, I could go on forever and ever and ever. I'm blessed to have done that, and I do not take it for granted. Not a lot of people get to do that. Um, I'm grateful. I really, really am. Um, but what you said earlier about what Chris said, I just thought, oh, my gosh, that's... Can you repeat the phrase that you that he said that when he was at the top? Then he was broken, and then he went broke. Yeah, he was. Yeah, is that how? That's how you said it, Chris. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was egotistical and prideful, and I got broken, and then I literally was broke for quite a while. <laughs> and and he, he's one of those that made big monies. He he just has big dreams, and God God honors that with him. But he, even even Shark Tank Shark Tank notices him. Yeah, that's that awesome. I was broke, had it all, and I lost it all, and I realized that it didn't mean that much <laughs> in the long yeah. run. Well, I can relate to that. I I made it to what I would consider. Now, other people and my peers may not, and that's okay, but I consider, um, I feel like I left on top. The day I left in 2018, um, literally, the day we were pulling out, 
I got an email as I'm sitting in the union parking lot grabbing my last check. I got a notification that I was nominated for 2018 Academy of Country Music Bass Player of the Year. It's the highest honor you'll ever get in country music um, or any music, really, probably. Um, I did not win, uh, but I, I was nominated, and that was a milestone for me. Yeah. Having worked for, with all those people, you know, I toured, uh, I was with Leanne Rems for 10 years as her band leader. Um, I did a lot of touring and a lot of studio stuff. And so that, that was a great sort of pinnacle. But let's back up to like the, the couple of years prior to that happened, 2016, 2017, were probably my biggest years as, as a musician. Um, and just kind of kind of put a placeholder there. Let me let me go back real fast. So we went to Nashville. Lots of things happened. Um, I find myself getting further and further and further away from God. The closer I got to my goal, the closer I got to being huge or successful or satisfied in some way, uh, it seemed like the further I would get away from Him. Um, I didn't realize this for years and years and years. And there were a lot of traps, and there were a lot of really bad decisions and a lot of things happened that, um, you know, just come with being broken and come with not knowing him in the way that you should. So in some ways, while pursuing my dream, every step I took towards that dream, I took a step away from him. And I didn't realize necessarily that that's what I was doing, even after a divorce, um, you know, and a, a failed relationship and this, that, and the other. And, um, it led me down to a, a really, really dark time. Um, a time of, you know, when, when you're at that level and you're on the road and there isn't anything you can't have and there isn't anything you can't get, there's not anything you can't do and you can do and have all those things pretty much without having to pay any sort of penalty for them. That's the life, right? Um, I tried so hard not to be that guy in my career but there were many 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 times I was that guy um, and specifically alcohol um, and some drugs really took a huge place in my life and I think at um, about the 2015-2016 uh, you know era right towards the end of my um, I guess sort of the peak of my career is when I think I was the most lost and interestingly enough, it was the time when I was trying to sort of make my way back to God, right? Like I realized that, okay, so here I am. Um, none of this is making me happy, really. Like I love the moment when I'm sitting in the chair creating music in a way that, that not everybody can do. Like that's so much fun. It's so uh, fulfills, you know, your, kind of your soul. It's, it's an amazing experience, you know. It's like um, anything that you do that you love is satisfying. But I was miserable, and um, it was weird. I, it's like the, I, I was really trying to do the right things mm-hmm. in order to make my way back to him, and I found out that's not what he wanted. I found out what he wanted was <laughs> for me to surrender, like really surrender. Wow. Um, and it happened um, in November of 2017. Um, and I'm gonna—I'll leave it at that. But it happened in November 
of 2017 and God arrested me in a way that I did not see coming. Didn't see the signs, didn't see it coming. To the point where uh, I knew that I, I was either going to have to let God strip me to the bone or I was going to die. Uh, literally die. Like, you there, almost there was no, did, didn't you, hon? Yep. Oh, nope. I should have. Only I by the grace of God should've. that you didn't. Yep. Should have died uh, more than once. But that time in specific should have died. God saved my life, I believe. Um, and I knew that he didn't save my life to play on records. And I know that that may sound weird, but that's not what he saved my life for. Um, and so there was, I went through a period. I, and, and guys, we're talking, uh, I'm just going to be real, but we're talking, you know, in the fetal position, uh, in the corner of the bathroom with the lights off, yeah. uh, just begging God yeah. to die. You know, being in the darkest moments of my life, literally wanting to die. Just, and I had everything to live for. Um, you'd think so, at least on the outside. And then God began to do a work, and uh, I don't want to go into the whole story, but I want to make a long story short and just tell you that the next year and a half for me and my wife was the most painful, gut wrenching. <laughs> Awful, miraculous, spectacular, magnificent, and wonderful time of our lives. Because we let God, we just said, look, we're done. We're done. And I knew that it was either make it right, this is my last chance, you know, make it right or don't. And what happened is through God beginning to strip us to the bone, and I, and I mean strip us to the bone, financially, um, physically, mentally, broken, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah, it was uh -huh. that total. It was that brokenness that led you to being broke. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I was at the top, but I was really broken, really, really broken, and it led me to being broke as well. Um, but through that, God began to repair our hearts and began to, and just began to really, honestly, soften mine. I thought I had a soft heart. I didn't. I had a calloused heart. Um, soft in some areas, but uh, God really just broke me down. I'm telling you, broke me down to, um, because it's what I asked for. It's, it's, it's what I wanted. Um, and then healing began to happen and things began to change. And then I began to sort of become an alien in every session. It was the weird, the weird part of my life. Like I, I would go to a session and I would feel so, awkward you know yeah. and I'm at the top of my I'm at the top of my game I'm you know I'm the guy that people want to play on the records and I'm showing up and I'm just feeling like why am I here um and so God began to stir our hearts and uh through a bunch of hearing and a bunch of prayer and a bunch of other stuff we ended up here in Bend Oregon and the first thing that God did was led us to our church and um I think for the probably for the first time, Mom. Uh, I think you probably would agree. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting in the getting the word in a way that I am prepared to receive. If that makes any sense. Amen. Uh, yes. And so His word has has been taking root and growing, and um, He has changed our lives in ways that I we don't have time to tell you. I know that I've already gone over. I really wish Missy would be quiet. It's bothering me. <laughs> I know. She, we, we have a hard this. time with her. Yeah. 
You know what? Uh, uh, and, and just a, a, a little P.S. to that is when you found your church, you didn't want anybody finding you. Yeah. You didn't want anybody to Google to you or to uh, get you involved. You wanted to sit. You wanted to learn. You wanted to grow. You were hungry for God uh, without without the music, without the bass. But I, I will, and I want to say this. I remember as you come through and you guys were on your way to Oregon, I remember you saying, you know, all I want to do is I want to spend the next part of my life making Jesus famous. Yeah. I want to help yeah. other yeah. people. He said, you yep. know, I remember you said, I don't, I want to be in the house of God. I, yep. I want to be a door opener. I want to do something yep. to serve people, but I don't ever need to be in the spotlight again. I remember him saying that. I just want to have community. Yeah. And that's yeah. a word yep. that I had never heard him use before. Yeah. I want to be a part of a community. I want to... Yeah. I want to serve a community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a different person. Yeah. Yeah, you know what part of it was is that you you've all heard me say, I know you have, you've heard me say it many times. Hey look, music is not um it's not who I am. It's just what I do. What you do, mm-hmm. yeah. Sounds like it sounds like a great commercial. And I gotta tell you, I believed in my own height. I really did. Until I became a normal person, and no one knew who I was, and I had no identity whatsoever, mm-hmm. as far as they were concerned. Mm-hmm. And I and I was pretty determined that no one ever found out what I did, you know, or whatever. Which that didn't work. But, um, that didn't work. The amazing, out. No, it didn't. It didn't work. Um, at you all. should have lied on your visitors card. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we didn't even fill one out for like months. We just didn't want you know anything to do with it. Now I lost my point. What was I going to say? Oh. Um, that, that I've said that my identity wasn't that, but it, but it was. Yeah. So I thought all the stripping to the bone and then the beginning of the healing, you know, and the salve on the wounds and things are getting better. And, and then you get here and God goes, okay, now I can deal with you. Yeah. Now we can talk. Now yeah. we can really, really have a conversation about you and me. Here's why. Because you don't have a base to fall back on. There you go. You don't have yep. celebrity status to fall uh-huh. back on. You don't have any money to fall back on. You don't have a, a single anything that matters nothing nobody cares right and it was it was a moment when this whole time I thought I was humble because I think I felt embarrassed about my success it wasn't false humility I I'm still uncomfortable you know I, I don't see myself that way I just see myself as a big dumb bass player who got really really lucky you know most of the time um I, I just really think in in life that one of the greatest lessons I think that I have learned <laughs> And I've seen it, I've seen it, um, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on, you know, square table with Daryl, but, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the lives that I've, I've watched, specifically the two of you live, even when I wasn't anywhere near uh, that life, and, and the love and the acceptance, and, and watching you guys have community, you know, watching there be accountability, watching um, that sort of thing is... Is convicting, so I think you run from it if you don't understand it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we got here and God began to go, okay, now we can talk. Um, that's when our lives truly, 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 truly began to change. And I can tell you, we still don't have much, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> we we are rebuilding. Uh, we've never been this happy, and you know that. Um, You're richer you than test- you've ever been, aren't you? Yeah. I am. I am, and things that used to matter don't, and things that didn't used to matter really, really matter. Yeah, and Joy, what a success story, because that's really where the success is, and 
And there's so many people that, that you know, have gone through life and, and maybe hit just like what you and Chris have talked about. And actually, you know, we, you, we've had other guests on here. That's kind of the way they were. They were living, you know, maybe the life that they dreamed about. And then all of a sudden, a lot of choices that we make. And we realize life is so full of choices. And we all get to make them because God gave us that free choice. And because of our choices, you know, we... we we're at the top, and then we fall all the way to the bottom, seemingly. But God still has a plan. He has a way of of beginning to mending the brokenness of our lives, and He can turn those into such beautiful, beautiful things. And, and you know, I believe that your best days, you're living better than you ever have in some ways, and your best days are still out there. And it's yeah. such an encouragement to so many people, and, and I believe that there's people that have listened you know, and they listen to your story, and many of them, they will look you up. and But they will find that, that you were a young man that was following a dream, and you said it a while ago. Sometimes the closer we get to something that, that God gives us, and we've done it, whether it's in church, out of church, wherever it's at, we, we, we begin to have successes, and the next thing you know, it's us having successes, and then God begins to drift out of our life. And it's something that we have to all continuously bring him back into the center of our lives so that we can have that life abundantly that he talks about because it is in him. And, uh, and so what a joy. Thank you yes, thank for you. being honest and open and sharing some of your story. And, and I know that it's going to touch so many people's life and maybe we can do this again in, in, in a few weeks. And, and, uh, because I mean, my goodness, we've only touched just a real little bit of your story, but yeah, I'm not doing anything for the next couple of months until this COVID thing stops. So you guys just want to do this every day. I'm... Every day. <laughs> hey, let, let me have one more thing if I could. Real quick. Absolutely. And that is, that, you know, I read something earlier today that said, uh, it was talking about the spotlight, about how you, you know, people want to be in the spotlight. It's just the one thing to don't forget is that the spotlight will blind you. That's good. Yeah. Oh, that is so and, good, Joy. And I can honestly tell you that that's what happens because what happens is, in the progression of at least my my life and my career, it was you'll never amount to anything. To hey, that wasn't bad. To hey, you're really good. Yeah. And you're and, and I'm thinking no, I'm not really. I'm not. No, I'm not. And then a few years later, you're thinking hey, I'm not too bad. And then the next thing you know, you're believing your own hype, and you're believing everybody else's hype, and you're like, you know what, I am the best. Mm. And you know what, you may be. And good for you. But I can tell you that without Christ and without having him, the reason that you're doing what you're doing and in the center of what you're doing, the spotlight will blind mm. you. That's good, Joy. That's so good. That is so such a powerful word to, to, to leave this podcast with because, yeah, it means so much. I want to ask Chris to pray uh, for the listeners as, as uh, they have listened to this podcast and and enjoy it i i just say as your mama i am very proud of you and i know that it's been a rough road i i know that we all carry so much of our our childhood with us but but you have made choices to take your yesterdays and turn them into testimonies and encouragement for others and i believe through this podcast tonight you have done just exactly that He's taken his life back. Yes, that's what that's what you're doing. You know, the things that we don't want in our lives, sometimes that doesn't change overnight, but we just keep on staying true to that promise and keep doing it. I'm so, reminded, 
I'm reminded of Samson when uh, he had a lot of victories, a lot of successes, and uh, the guy was well known as famous, you know, in his day, <clears throat> but he drifted away from God. But you know, when he came back to God, he had his greatest victories, he had his greatest yeah. success. Granted, he didn't live long after that, but the point is, his greatest victory came in his latter years instead yeah. of his instead of his former years. Well, I think for all of us, you know, I, I mean, I really believe that that that's the way it works. I, I because we learn, you know. That's right. Travel, Chris. Would you pray before yeah. we leave this mm-hmm. podcast? Heavenly Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name for everyone that's listening, God, and we just pray, Lord, that this story, Lord, will just open up people's minds and hearts, and for. All those out there, God, that may be at that bottom place, that broken place, God, that you just remind them, Lord, that surrender opens up doors, God, and that that you will flood into their life, God, and, and show them the true meaning and show them the true enlightenment, God, to who you are and what you are, Lord. And just thank you, God, that you're just blessing um, all these listeners, Lord, and everyone around this table, Lord. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Until the next time at the table with Darlene, we pray that the peace of God would bring you... Uh, clear direction and bless your heart.